Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Craig F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is uh, Thursday, July 16th, 2020. Um, and uh, today we're going to be reading from the uh, big book, and we're going to be on page uh, XVIII. In the second paragraph, it starts, Our Society Then Entered. Um, today's readers are, uh, for the uh, 12 steps, they're going to be Hoodie uh, R. For the uh, 12 traditions, Marie D. And uh, the readers of the text are Nancy P. and Barbara P. Um, The reference numbers for yesterday, uh, July 15th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting was 14,967, 987, excuse me, and for the uh, uh, 11 a.m. meeting is 14,988, that's the 10 a.m. meeting, uh, 14,988. Um, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive eating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA, uh, fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeaters who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask um, Hoodie R to read the 12 steps. Hoodie? Good morning, Craig. This is Hoodie R, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you very much. Okay, now I'm going to ask Marie D. to read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning, Craig. Marie D. from New York. Very grateful to be here. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any remaining facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Okay, thank you. Um, How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. The meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book uh, on, on on page uh, XVIII and the second paragraph that starts, Our Society Then Entered. Um, all right, I'm going to ask uh, uh, Nancy P. to get us started. Nancy? Sure. Thanks, Craig, um, for letting me share. This is Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Our society then entered a fearsome and exciting adolescent period. 
The test that it faced was this. Could these large numbers of erstwhile erratic alcoholics successfully meet and work together? Would there be quarrels over membership, leadership, and money? Would there be strivings for power and prestige? Would there be schisms which would split AA apart? Soon, AA was beset by these very problems on every side and in every group. But out of this frightening and at first disrupting experience, the conviction grew that AAs had to hang together or die separately. We had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. Um, I'm going to set my timer. And somebody's like shuffling papers or, you know, moving laundry or something. I don't know. Um, Let me just start this. Okay. So, um, you know, I only ever have one message when I share. Excuse me. Um, I always say the same thing, and um, I see no reason to deviate from that. You know, they, I was thinking when I was reading this before um, it was time to share that, um, you know, uh, erstwhile erratic alcoholics, and I thought to myself, they have nothing on compulsive overeaters. I mean, I feel like they have nothing on compulsive overeaters. Um, you know, prior to recovering myself, I thought, I knew everything and I was unteachable. After recovering, um, or I knew I knew everything and I was unteachable. Now I only think I know everything and I am teachable. That's like the progress that I've made. Um, but at the in the end, you know, it's sort of like what it says, God is either everything or he is nothing. What's that choice to be? You know, you're faced with a choice. Make your choice. Like, do you want to, you know, hang together or die separately. And that was, you know, what was our choice to be? That's what it says later in the book. And this is the perfect sort of illustration of that on a group level. Um, you know, do we want to, do we want to survive or do we want to die? And there really isn't, you know, any other question for me. And, you know, how do we get there? I'll give you 9 million guesses. All right. Everybody guess. Okay. I'll tell you it's surrender. And, um, you know, for me, this, you know, unify our fellowship or pass off the scene, that is, you know, to me, I thought of that and I thought the fellowship that has sprung up around me, like it says in the 12th step, I mean, that was a tectonic shift in my, my life, my, my worldview. I mean, I need people today. I want people today. What a difference between wanting to be, you know, we know you will not want to miss this. And my attitude was, speak for yourself. I'm fine. And, and so I can easily see where I would have been, yes, I'm, I want power and I don't know about prestige, but I definitely would have wanted power and I, want, I would have had membership quarrels. I started a meeting myself, a big book step study meeting based on the vision method, and I think it failed because I told everybody they couldn't do anything except listen to, you know, the speaker. They know, you know, I was too controlling and, um, you know, lesson learned. So you know, that meeting passed off the scene and that's my own personal experience. So, you know, um, this frightening and first disrupting experience, the conviction grew that AAs had to hang together. They, they drew, they were threaded together by these 12 steps and it was, and then they were, you know, the, the knot was tied off and were surgically connected by these 12 steps and, and we're never ever going to let go of them. Um, I think that's all that I have to say. With that, I'll pass. Okay. Uh, thank you, Nancy. Appreciate it. Um, all right. Now we're going to uh, open up the floor for three-minute pitches from 
compulsive overeaters. And so um, we're going to ask you to, uh, that if you've shared in the last uh, couple of days, that means uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, to uh, hold back and make room for somebody that hasn't shared and get some extra, some other voices on the line. So um, uh, who would like to uh, share on this paragraph? Lisa B. Amy G. Lisa B. Penny C. Barbara Amy G. E. Barbara Who else? Craig, it was Amy G. I don't think it was Penny C. Did you get that? Who? Amy G. Not Penny C. Amy G. Amy G. <laughs> and there was no Penny C? All right. Okay. Who else? I've got Lisa, Amy, and Barbara. Okay, um, we're going to go ahead and do those, and while the rest of you uh, figure out what you want to say. So, Lisa B. Good morning. Thank you, Craig, for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and if anyone wants to reach out to me, I spell my name L-E-S-A. I really love this uh, paragraph, and it means so much to me today. In the beginning, when I first read this, know I sat listening and applied it to the history and maybe even the traditions which is what they're getting into but I've been able to see within myself um, that erstwhile erratic alcoholic in me the compulsive overeater in me that wants to be separate you know I'm either less than you or I'm better than you and that's the disease the disease wants to separate me and one of the wonderful writers in the back of the book it might be in the medical view it might be in the religious view I'm not sure where it is but they talk about that herd mentality and staying in the middle of the herd and you know as a compulsive overeater I don't always want to be in the herd you know I want to be on the top or I want to be on the very bottom that's the disease in me speaking and um, you know, as I continue to come around and be in this fellowship, there are people that sometimes annoy me and they bug me and I'll take my earplugs, my uh, little earbuds out and I don't want to hear what they have to say. And that's that arrogance in me. And if I stay in that, you know, I'm eventually, I'm eventually going to eat because that's my disease getting a foothold at the door. It comes in every so subtle and it just waits there. It keeps the foot in the door and it it's so patient and when I get that kind of an attitude that's giving it a foothold and that's when I need to stop and take an inventory why is this person bothering me usually because the dishonesty in me is that I see myself in them or I hear myself in them or it's a part of me that I can't stand that I'm very ashamed of or I've done that exact same behavior um, and I just, I just needed to share that. I've come across that in myself. And when it says, but out of this frightening and at first disrupting experience, well, of course, they're talking about the unity, the group of AA, but I've been able to see also within myself 
that these can be frightening and disrupting experiences. It's about ego deflation. And I don't want to hear it, and I'll fight it. And sometimes I'll have lingering resentments where I need to pray for people because I thought that they've offended me or they've snubbed me. And I needed to pray for them for two weeks and share it with others in inventories. And you know what? My heart gets softened. And I begin to see, wow, there's so much I can learn from that person. And that ego is just unbelievable. It's so subtle and mysterious. And it's so much part of who I am. And I need to continue to come back and show up. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful for all of you. I pass. Okay, thank you. Um, next up is uh, Amy G. Amy? Good morning, Craig. My name is Amy G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I beg your pardon, Craig. I wasn't trying to be bossy. I just wasn't sure whether you heard my name. <laughs> so sorry about that. Um, anyways, um, I am... This is such a great paragraph. To me, it reminds me of... Um, page 17 where it says we are people who would not normally mix and um, this growing period it's like we're going through growing pains here in this paragraph I like to call it the pray to God road ashore time in AA where it's disruptive it's exciting and I've heard in the rooms before that when God or higher power wants something to happen it doesn't matter how bad you screw it up it's still going to happen because God wants it to happen and it's the same thing in like sponsorship. But I had a sponsor who said to me, it doesn't matter how badly you screw things up. If someone really wants to recover, they're going to recover. And, and the reality here is during this crazy time, this was the time that birthed the 12 traditions. And I, I don't know about you all, but it seems like to me in this phase, they, they knew two things. They came together and they knew two things that in order to keep it, in order to keep their sobriety, they had to give it away. They had to work with others. And the other thing is that in order to do that, they had to stay unified in order to do that. And so, again, we're talking about here the traditions, particularly traditions one and five, which say, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. And tradition five, which we read every morning in the opening to vision for you, this, this actual meeting, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. So... To me, I feel like, like the other uh, sharer was saying is that, you know, I, I may say something that pisses you off or you may say something that pisses me off, but I know that our common goal is to be able to carry the message to the still far from compulsive reader. And if I want to recover myself, that everything else transcends that. My being irritated, race, creed, color, gender, religion, it doesn't matter. Because in order to stay alive myself, we have to stay together. The first word and the first step is we. This is a we program. And together we can do what we could never do alone. So it absolutely hangs on dying, of hanging together or dying separately. And I, and I love that because I may not always agree with you, but I am with you in this program. And I understand that in a way at a gut level that says together we can do what we can't do alone. And again, going back to page 17, it says the tremendous fact is that we have found a common solution and they are centered and we are all circled around that common solution that these 12 steps have the power to save lives. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you very much. Next up, we have Barbara E. Barbara? And then we're going to take some more names. Get ready. 
Barbara? Ah, now I can be heard. I thought I had unmuted myself. Sorry about that. I'm out walking, and I'm not good at doing two things at the same time, as I found out. But this is such an important aspect. I just wanted to make sure that my point of view, like everyone else's, has come across, that this was an exciting time in our life for OA as well, because I believe Ann Landers published a piece about us, and we began to grow by leaps and bounds. And there, of course, were schisms in the group. But it's true, as Abraham Lincoln said, united we stand, divided we fall. So those traditions that were brought in, I think they were first written about in the grapevine by Bill Wilson, were so important because why do I do this? I lost my weight, thank heavens, but I had habits that that I'd done for five decades that I didn't like. And for me, a habit is something I've done or felt so often that when I wake up in the morning, I begin to think about things in the past. And if they were problems for me, I start to revisit them again. And the repetition of this cycle day after day became hardwired, a belief, a feeling, an attitude. And that's what OA has done for me. It's changed my attitude. I can say I want to be happy, I want to be healthy, but my body was programmed differently, so I had to find a change uh, to focus on my focus so I could wake up feeling refreshed and hopeful. And how could I accomplish that? Well, that's where I had to go to my higher power to ask for help because that higher power that I didn't believe in had never left me. I had just left him or it. So the question was, how do I accomplish it? Well, that's where these 12 steps and traditions accomplished for me what I couldn't do on my own. Some people wait for tragedy or have or the loss to have to make up their mind to change. But this program is saying, Barbara, why wait? Why not wake up going to bed remembering when I've had a time feeling joy and inspiration and a sense of accomplishment? And almost everyone has experienced negative emotions, but if I allow myself to dwell on them for days, weeks, months, or years, then when someone says, you seem to be in a bad mood, it's because I'm revisiting them. I hadn't been able to change before this program because I couldn't stop focusing on negative emotions. And that's where steps four, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 have saved my skinny butt. So I ask my God every day to guide me away from going to bed feeling fearful, resentful, and self-pitying. And my body might say, wait, I'll start tomorrow. It'll be too hard for you to change. But the 12-step program forced me to change my attitudes and actions, to stay abstinent, to do for others, to do that 11-step nightly review. And thank you. And wake up refreshed in the morning and grateful for this program and for all of you. Thank you, Greg. 
and everyone else, I pass. All right, Barbara, thank you. Okay, um, floor is going to be open again now. So, again, we remind you that if you've shared in the last couple of days, we ask you to hold back and allow other, other fresh voices to come forward. So who would like to share on this paragraph? Good morning, uh, Colleen and I got Leslie Colleen. M. Ross M. Leslie. Tom. Chris All right. Uh, I'm, I'm missing a male voice in there. There was Colleen, Leslie. Ross M. The male. Russ. Okay. And then Chris. <laughs> Chris M. Chris M. All right. Who else? Liz in the UK. Me? You say? Liz, L-I-Z. I'm still not getting that. Is it a name, me? All right. It's it's Liz. I got you down. I think, Liz. Oh, Liz. L I Z. All right. Irene. Philomena M. Philomena, I've got. And was there an Irene in there? Irene. Or an Ily. Irene B. Yes, please. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Am I missing somebody? I'm gonna um, I'm gonna read the list here. I've got Colleen, Leslie, Russ, Chris M, me from the UK, Liz, Philomena, and Irene. I'm still not sure about that. About the me. Okay. But we're gonna hit this list. Craig, me is that. Me, me is what? Well, we'll handle it when we get to it. Colleen, why don't you take us away? Good morning. Um, uh, Colleen N. from Florida, compulsive overeater, and still fairly new to the recovery process. I'm in step four, kind of in the thick of it, and it gets hard. <laughs> and I have thought, I don't need to do this, <laughs> but I really do. Sorry. This paragraph really spoke to me this morning because I heard unity and community. That's what I heard. And they could have given up. They could have had their ego battles in that room and just said, you know what? screw this. This is too much drama. This is too much BS. We don't have to do this. Just go do your own thing. Everybody go do you and, and good luck. But they didn't give up. They they kept plugging along even though it was hard. <laughs> and that's where I'm at. It's, this is hard. It sucks a lot. But um, I'm not eating it. <laughs> so that's a good thing. And I guess the other thing I took away from it was it really doesn't matter how we got sick because we're all in this together. We all have to remain unified and have a sense of community to get out of this, to get to the other side of of our non-perfect, beautiful lives that we're going to have. So that's all. I just 
wanted to be heard today. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Okay, Colleen, thank you. Next is Leslie. Leslie? Good morning, Craig. This is Leslie M. Uh, I just want to thank you for your service this morning. Um, I'm from a I'm recovered compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York. And what I really heard today and, and experienced, um, you know, in OA is we had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. And I certainly know for myself, um, you know, before I was recovered and before I actually, you know, enjoyed this um, you know, that I used to, I was very strident and very preachy and telling others what to do um, because I knew, thought I knew best. And at this point in, in you know, in, 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 in my recovery, um, I, know that I, I know that I can share my experience, strength, and hope with others, but that I can't tell anyone else what to do, um, that I have to just do that. I have to say, well, this is what works for me, not this is what you need to do. And for me, that was often often a very divisive thing, you know, and I can understand that. I don't want to speak to anyone who's going to tell me what to do. And I know that that was um, very off-putting for me. You know, I think that some people are, are you know, I certainly know that I've noticed a difference as far as that goes. Um, it says that we had to hang together or die separately. And, you know, if our groups don't uh, don't survive. Um, even our uh, now at this point in my area, uh, our Zoom meetings don't survive. Then you know no one is going to hear this message, and that's you know and that's my responsibility here is to carry that message to compulsive overeater who still suffers, uh, whether they be in the rooms or outside the rooms. And um, so I'm very grateful to be able to do that service and to you know because because what is good for the group ends up being good for me, even though there are times when I don't feel that always. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Next we have Russ. Russ and- Good morning, good, good morning Craig. <laughs> Russ and Recover Compulsive Overeater. So uh, th this paragraph just uh, throws out humility to me because you know, those who were humble stuck in there and got through these the, the schisms, the growing pain, everything that went on there, right? I can't imagine it. You know, in, in my little family, trying to do things, I'm <laughs> I get on my family's damn nerves to the to the to the hunter, right? Can you imagine growing a group like this? The ego and every because we're human beings, you know, all these things get involved and. And, uh, you know, we show our true colors. But, you know, they hung in there. They hung in there. And now we're on the line. We're sharing the solution, right? And it brings to mind that cinematic classic, My Blue Heaven, with Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. And Steve Martin is the, uh, he's the mobster. He says, when I'm with you, that means I'm with you. And that, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. We, we, go, we, we go down together, no matter what. You know, we're holding hand in hand if the ship is sinking or, you know, we're, where things are great. And this is the beauty of this, the solution, that we don't have to agree on everything. You know, we don't have to agree on anything, everything. You know, one of my dear friends in program said to me, he says, look, I want to know you like we're outside a program. I want to know you so good in program like I'm outside. Like these relationships supersede all these things. And when when that is first, 
you know, where that language of the heart, it, 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 it emanates. It goes to others, and people want that. And um, it's a beautiful thing. So, And also, I'm sorry if I get on your damn nerve, So, too. So. so I'm with you. Love you. Have a beautiful day. All right, Russ. Thank you. You have a good day, too. Let's see. Next, we have Chris M. Chris? Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay. This is Chris M., uh, recovering compulsive overeater in the Hudson Valley on New York State. And um, when I read this this morning, this, um, this paragraph, I thought about my own like evolution uh, of recovery, my own progression. And it's echoing actually what the first speaker said, that I see my own recovery mirrored in the um, progression and the um, evolution of the program. So I'm also now in step four. I've been in the program, you know, since the 80s. I've done it before. But, you know, it's always different. It's always fresh and new. Um, And the more honest I get and the more committed I am to recovery and the more surrender I have, you know, the deeper I can go each time I do a step four. So I'm excited about, um, I'm excited actually for the first time I think about doing step four. Like I want to know who I am and and what drives me and and, um, those instincts I have that are um, not being used correctly. But it's also like a turning point, you know, like I'm kind of at that adolescent stage in my recovery now that it's getting hard. And and now, you know, the beginning it was all excitement, like I had relief in that, okay, I've admitted once again I'm, I'm powerless over food and my life is unmanageable, you know, the relief of that, then the hope in step two, that there is a power that I can depend on that's, that's not myself because myself has failed me. And um, then the excitement of putting that into action, of turning over my will each day and being open to the new possibilities of life. And, you know, it's great. It's great. But now I have to really work and I have to make a decision, like, am I going to go through and keep going and be, and be loyal to myself and honor myself by continuing in the program? Um, or am I going to let it fall apart? And um, like the founders um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes at us uh, during this time, and we have to persevere, and, and we have to hold true to what the, the original intent was, and my original intent was to recover, so I guess I'm going to have to do whatever that takes at this point, and I have to remember that, like, that's why I'm here. I want to recover. I want to live an authentic true life, free of the uh, diseased thinking and behaviors that have plagued me these, you know, 50-odd years of my life. So, um, yeah, this is a great reminder, and I see that a lot, like, conditions, like, it it models behavior, you know, it doesn't just model behavior of how the program should run and survive and miraculously has survived. It, it, it models behavior of how I should be in my life. And um, it's all great. It's all wonderful. And I'm very, very happy and, and feel very blessed to be where I am right now in the program. And, and 
and I'm going to redo my adolescence all over again, I guess, and do it do it better this time. So, um, amen. I pass. Okay, thank you very much. Um, next up, I, I'm as you can tell probably earlier, I'm a little confused. Is there somebody from the UK named me, or did I miss something up? I don't want to miss. I don't want to mess some miss somebody that wanted to share. Nobody named me. All right, we're going to skip Ben and go to Liz. Liz. Hi, Liz E from the UK. So it might have been me that was me. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead, me. Yes. (laughs) I think I... Anyway, hi, it's Liz from the UK. Uh, Thank you very much for everybody doing service today. I'm Liz, a recovered compulsive overeater. Wow, it's amazing to be able to say that. Um... Some words that really stuck out for me is this exciting adolescent period. And boy, um, working, um, doing the work in the fellowship and participating in meetings, I feel like an adolescent because I'm learning and um, I also feel adolescent because sometimes I want to go away and withdraw and behave like a teenager and take, you know, say, oh, I can't do it anymore. It's too much. I've had enough. I'm putting. I'm going away, and I'm putting it down. And um, and we are a group of erratic uh, alcoholics meeting together. And sometimes there are clashes of personality. Sometimes there's difference of opinion. And but the thing that I'm learning is what is my part in that, and what we have and that we are able to do in a healthy way is learn how to do relationships in a healthy way. So we might have a bit of a difference of opinion or we might brush up with somebody, but there are healthy mechanisms for us to go and talk that through, a fear, a resentment. And that, for me, is the gift of this program. So I get to... Um, have conversations so I get that horrible feeling sometimes and I get to talk to people and they challenge me in a really constructive way what's your part Liz what's, was it pride was it this was it that was it the other and um, we get to work it out and that for me is just the most amazing thing so that we can then go out in the world and behave in a healthy way so that we don't get the build-up of human emotion, which then triggers us to eat, or triggers me to eat. Sorry, I mustn't talk about us. Um, 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 any newcomers on the line today, I would personally say, keep coming back. It really works. It really does. That's my experience. And... I didn't understand the language at the beginning. I thought, what is all this about? But there is something very special here. Thank you very much to everyone, and I'll pass. Okay, thank you, Liz. Uh, appreciate that. And next up, we have Philomena. 
uh, also from the UK. Philomena? Hello. Uh, I'm Philomena hello. from Northern Ireland. And uh-huh. hello, can you hear me? Hello. Uh-huh. Oh, good. Go ahead. Uh, I'm Philomena, a recovering compulsive overeater from Northern Ireland, and it's a real privilege to be here. Thank you, Craig, and everybody uh, who's doing service today and everyone who's here. Um, I uh, find this uh, paragraph really interesting because now we're at a time when Zoom is at a fearful, uh, a fearsome and exciting period. There's so many meetings, so many diverse people, and I am a consummate rule maker. The first conference I ever went to when we were just normal face-to-face meetings, uh, wondered if it was possible to make a rule about staring cups in meetings. And that really made me laugh, do you know, because <laughs> I could relate. Uh, now I'm wondering, one, can we tell people they must use their videos in the Zoom meetings? They can't be in bed with the video on. They must dress in a certain way, no dressing gowns or sleeveless tops, uh, no picking noses or teeth, etc., etc., etc. Then I did go to a meeting and all the videos were on. They were requested to put their videos on. I thought, oh, great. Did that please me? No. People were walking around their houses. Naturally enough, they were swiping on their phones and all of that was distracting and annoying me. So my huge rule book, if it was to be read out uh, at the start of a meeting, there would actually be no time for the meeting. And I really have to accept that I'm not perfect and other people are not imperfect versions of me. Uh, But we are together and we're hanging together um, in this, this brilliant time, you know, for, for our, our uh, groups, it's amazing. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to hang together and not die separately. I'm so grateful for Skype for this meeting for A Vision for You uh, and for all the Zoom meetings and workshops and people who are doing service. With that, I'll pass. All right, thank you. Um, next we have Irene B, and then we're gonna take new names. Irene? Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. I'm Irene B. I'm gratefully recovering bulimic from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, I read that paragraph this morning, and I thought, okay, I have to share because um, I think that paragraph describes me in some shape, manner, or form. The uh, adolescent, yeah. Um, it's more like my growth was stunted as a six-year-old. And um, so I'm not quite an adolescent. I, I, I hope to have gotten to adolescence from uh, recovery uh, because emotionally uh, I was um, very stunted. And this paragraph, the chaos, the control, all of that, you know, that's me in my disease. And um, desperately fighting for my life, desperately 
fighting to fit in, desperately fighting. And the key word there is fighting. It's like that's not a good approach to life. And, and okay, I hope I don't give anybody the idea that I am aggressive because um, I'm a pushover or I used to be a pushover. And But in therapy, by the grace of God, they taught me how to be assertive instead of being a pushover. They even taught me how to speak for crying out loud. I mean, and, and, I, and I'm very unfair that I say therapy didn't work for me, that the 12 steps did. And that's very unfair because um, in the book and other AA resources I have read that sometimes we need professional help. And that that was me. I needed that. Did it get me all the way there? Absolutely not. I needed the steps, and I did not know that the steps were available to me. And I just thank God that this program survived. And I thank God that OA became available for bulimics because at the time when I was in treatment, I was told that OA was not for bulimics, but now it is. And it it has been for years and years and years, and I didn't know that. And I just wish that the whole world knew about OA because I am a person with an eating disorder since age six, going in and out of therapy and treatment programs since age, what, 18, 24, whatever it was. And I didn't know about OA. How I wish somebody would have reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we can go to OA, and there is help for you. But there was no one to tell me about this program. And it took an AA person to tell me. She said, Irene, I can't help you with this. I'll walk you through the steps, but you can go to OA. That's for eating. And I said, yeah, but they don't take bulimics. And she said, oh, how wash. It's got to do with eating. It's, got, it's more to, with eating than alcoholics. I don't know the first thing about food. And that's how I came to the steps. Because uh, through an AA person who told me go to OA, and it took me six months to work out the courage to go to an OA meeting because I thought I was going to get kicked out. <laughs> General reminder. Okay, just full of gratitude here. Thank you so much to everyone. Thank you. I love you. All right. Thanks, Irene. Okay, we have about 10 minutes, so we can probably get three or four shares in here. Uh, who would like to share? Matt F. Susan A. Melissa G. I got Matt. Matt. Tony Susan A. Wait a minute. Melissa G. Melissa. And I heard a Joni, right? Did I hear a Joni? Matt, Susan, Melissa, and Joni? No, unless there's any objections. Matt, go ahead. Thank you, Craig. This is Matt F. in Illinois. Um, So I wanted to share a quick little story about pride. Um, Yesterday, uh, this was a story I told myself. I was a good little rule follower, and I followed the steps, and I did a thing, and I shared the thing with some people. And one one of the people responded, by saying to me, again, story I told myself, hey, you're not working this step the way that the book says. What's so special about you, smart guy? 
And before I knew it, I was all up in my indignation, my pride, my anger, my resentment, and everything that comes along with those things. And that was just the story I told myself. That's not what actually happened. What happened was that I was working my program in a way that is not what the big book says. And someone who I love dearly, who loves me dearly, called my attention to that. Now, my pride chose to, sh- chose to take that as judgment. I felt judged. I felt threatened. I felt attacked. It's only by the grace of God that I found my way into this program at all. And it's only by the grace of God that in that moment, thanks to the tools and practices of this program and the support of fellows along the way, that in the moment, I didn't lash out. I was able to take that and do a 10th step and return to a better place. And I realized that you know pride is just a huge enemy of my recovery. So that's a story that happened in the space of about five or 10 minutes yesterday. I am one person with the benefit of a proven program of action that I have been following for about 15, 16 months now. And look what happened. And now reading this chapter, I try and imagine what it must have been like for those founders to try and work through their differences, knowing how much the program meant to so many of them, and knowing how little they had benefited from the existence of a proven program of action. We're on the fourth edition of the book today. It's changed three times. And so we read this paragraph and I think, man, anyone who's having trouble believing in the existence of a higher power, just think about that. Think about how the stories they told themselves had to have been so much about pride and attachment and somehow they overcame them. And that's why we're here talking today more than 80 years later. That's, uh, that's a pretty good miracle for a Thursday morning for me. Thought I pass. Okay, Matt. Thank you very much. Next, uh, Susan. We have a Susan. Yes. Hi, Craig. This is Susan A. Recovered in Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for your service. And can you hear me okay? Yes, Hello? I can hear you just fine. Uh, yes. Okay, can you hear me? thanks. Yes. Okay. Um, what I loved about this paragraph and many of the paragraphs in the big book are the metaphors and the adolescent period. Um, I think of teenagers that are very unstable and their life path is being determined. And But there's a lot of uncertainty as to whether their ultimate path will take them down a, a very bad road or take them up to being successful and growing in a healthy way. And that there are many pressures and temptations that teen, teens have to go through. Um, at the end of that paragraph, it talks about um, that, okay, but out of this frightening and at first disruptive experience, the conviction grew that AAs had to hang together or die separately. And it reminds me of Benjamin Franklin at the time of the, the birth of our nation and the signing of the Declaration of Independence. He said, we must hang together or we shall hang separately. 
So I love the fact that AA is being compared to the development and the ultimate, you know, success of it is being compared to our country's birth and ultimate success. And, and, uh, but along the way, it was so difficult. And that's true of our recovery. Each day we choose to recovery, we choose to recover or we give in to temptation. Um, and it's exciting, the growth of our recovery, but it can be scary too. And um, I've noticed this recently. Uh, three friends of mine recovered, started a new vision meeting in our area. And even before the pandemic, uh, we, um, uh, you know, it was, it was, it's been challenging to keep the meeting going and to grow the meeting. And just yesterday, we lost one of our founding members. But we've decided to keep working at it, to keep carrying the message, not only to uh, the message of the 12 steps, but the message of our meeting, which meets from 5 to 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. And we go through the first 164 pages of the big book. We have a speaker once per month and awesome recovered speakers. Um, and my name is Susan A. I'm in the membership directory of A Vision for You. If you're interested in joining us, please do contact me. And with that, I will pass. Okay, Susan, thank you. Next, we have Melissa, and we're down to about two minutes. So, um, Melissa? Okay, no worries. Hi, I'm Melissa G. I'm from St. Clair, Michigan. And I guess what really struck me about this, and I know, I feel like I always say it, but just how this program, just life program is not meant to be done alone. And if I spent my entire life in my addiction focusing on what kept me separated from others, which I did, and how different I was, whether I was better or worse, I would continue in this disease for the rest of my life. And what I love about the program is through working the steps, we slowly or quickly die to ourselves into our own selfishness that I think that's what makes this program possible to be worked is we've done the work to learn how to function in a world where people are not the same. We have different religion, different um, political beliefs, but that's not what is those beliefs aren't going to keep us sober or keep us moving forward in life to fulfill what our higher power has for us. So I guess I'm just I'm grateful for the that this birth the tradition of singleness of purpose because it's really easy for me to focus on what I don't agree with or how I feel you're so wrong in the fact that that one that tradition removed that from this program has made the program so simple to just focus on the food or whatever our compulsive behaviors are. So for that, I am grateful. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Melissa. Um, it's five till, so I think we're going to have to call that good. Um, I'm sorry we didn't get to the Joni at the end there, So, uh, but maybe you can stay for the second hour. Um, all right, so thank you for everyone to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second 
unrecorded hour study immediately following closing. The sharing the share ID for today for the meeting that's just closing is fourteen thousand nine hundred and ninety three one four nine nine three. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page one sixty four, followed by the serenity prayer. Will uh, Barbara P. please uh, um, read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Drew, keep you until then. Good morning. This is Barbara P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Atlanta, Georgia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.